Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. It's so amazing that we have a ministry extended into different countries. Um, we support um, two ministries in India. Uh, one is called Jesus Cares that we uh, got to go to uh, in January with uh, myself and my wife and Pastor Tina and Charlie. And uh, such a wonderful ministry led by Chris Peter. And we have another uh, minister in India, Pastor Rambali, who is here. You guys, how many were here when Pastor Rambali was here? Yeah, a few of you. Um, just an amazing man, um, translated the Bible into a language in India where there's 15 million people that didn't have a Bible translation. And he spent 20 years translating it into their language. It's, uh, I believe it's called Magahi, the language. And so he's ministering to them. And when he came uh, a couple weeks ago, our church, especially for a small church, just so blessed him. We had such an amazing offering to, to give to him. So that's credit to all, all y'all. And uh, so, but I talked to uh, Pastor Rambling, and obviously um, our, our uh, people in Nigeria, and so that's another ministry that we support, the Refuge Foundation. But I just want to mention, I talked to Pastor Rambly, um this week, and he asked me in our church to pray for him. And so I want to take a moment to pray for him. What's going on in his part of India? He's in the northern part of India, and, and I'm not sure I didn't ask him if this is all of India or if this is just the province that he's in but they're passing a law called uh, anti-conversion law. And so it's a law that's intended, it's straight from hell. It's intended to stop Christians from, from uh, preaching the gospel and specifically to stop pastors. And so what this law says is if you convert someone from Hinduism to Christianity, you can go to prison up to five years. And so this is like going through right now. And um, also another thing that's part of this law in the, uh, in the law is that even if you want to convert from Hinduism to Christianity, you have to go and actually fill out an application and make a submission to the government to even like be considered the, to change your religion. And so, you know, it makes me just value the freedom that we have in our country. But it also, you know, this is, this is an extension of Awaken Life Church, this ministry that we are supporting. And we, we need to stand in prayer uh, for Pastor Rambali. And, you know, I was praying for him uh, on the phone when we were talking, and I just felt like God is really protecting him. But let's just take a minute, um, let's just close our eyes, and just agree with me this morning. You can pray out loud or pray in your heart, but Father God, we just declare protection over Pastor Rambali. We declare protection over Christians in India. We declare um, protection over the gospel, God, that you are bringing, Father God, into that nation. And God, we just come together and agree right now as a body of believers, God. God, that no weapon formed against your church can ever prosper, Father God. God, you said that you're, you would build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And so, God, we are just standing on your promise this morning, God, that no weapon formed against this church, no weapon formed against uh, Pastor Rambali and the ministry over there is going to prevail. And we just declare your amazing, mighty wing of protection over him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you could please keep him in prayer and add that to your prayer list. So turn to uh, Romans chapter 5 this morning. Romans 5. We're going to read verse 17. <clears throat> Romans 5. 
So it says this, Romans 5, 17. For if by the transgression of the one, meaning Adam, for if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Father God, I just pray for your anointing upon this word this morning. Holy Spirit, come and just speak to the hearts of the people. God, I just give you my study time. I give you um, everything that I put into this message, and I pray that you just put your anointing on it. Take out, edit it as you need to, God. Add things that you want to add and take out anything that you want to take out. And we just pray that this word is just powerfully sweeping through our church. In Jesus' name, amen. So this says, through Adam, death reigned. But through Jesus, we can reign in life. Through Jesus, we can reign in life. And that word reign, I love that word. Because this is the definition of that word. It means to be king. To exercise kingly power. To reign. This is a word that's used frequently to describe royalty. Like reign like a king. We were meant to reign in life like a king. Reign over the issues of life. You are meant to reign over the issues that are coming against you. Let me say that again. You are meant to reign over the issues that are coming against you. You are meant to reign over those issues like a king, like royalty. What's one thing about king that, kings that we could say? They have amazing amount of resource. They have this royal way about them and how they deal with things. They have advisors surrounding them, the good kings, right? And you are meant to reign over your issues, reign over the problems of life, reign over the things that come against you. We are meant to be more than conquerors, amen? I, like the, I love the, the way that Paul describes things. He's like, hmm, conquerors? No, that doesn't, that doesn't do it justice. More than, more than conquerors, amen? We're not, we're not meant, we have to get out of this mentality of the Christian life is a life of poverty and suffering and just a life of lack, Amen? The Bible says that we are meant to be more than conquerors, that we are meant to reign in life. Not that we don't have issues, not that we don't go through suffering. And when suffering happens, we mourn with those who mourn. But we are actually meant to reign over the issues of life, like a king. If you're feeling exhausted, like you just don't have enough energy throughout your day, that's, that's a problem. You're meant to reign over that issue. You don't have to... Just say, that's, this is just part of life. You're actually meant to reign over that issue. If you're struggling financially, that's a problem. You're meant to reign over that issue. If you're struggling in relationships, in your marriage, and other just friendships, that's a problem. You're meant to reign over that issue. You're meant to reign over that problem. I love that Romans 5.17, it doesn't say succeed in life. It doesn't say prosper in life, but it says you will reign in life like a king. Like succeed is not, it's not, it doesn't do it justice to say you're going to succeed in life. Well, I can succeed in some areas. You're going to prosper. No, you're meant to reign like a king, like royalty in life. 
You are royalty. And part of what I want to drive home today is to change our mind about how we think of ourselves. We are royalty. We are loved deeply, dearly by the Father. And your Father, some people, some people are uncomfortable with this, but your Father favors you. You're favored. You're favored. The very definition of grace is unmerited favor. You know, when Joey and I first got, uh, well, when we first started going to church, <clears throat> by choice, we went to church a lot growing up, but it was like we had, we were the kids with the drug problem. Our parents drug us to church. But when we first went to church by choice was about five years into our marriage. Um, our daughter Tia had just, uh, was just born. And I remember, uh, some of you remember Pastor Friend and the church that we went to. And I remember uh, we were kind of brand new to church and our pastor came up and he, he always used to talk about, some of you remember this, he always used to talk about getting favor with parking spots. Some of you remember that? <laughs> and it was a thing. He would be like, I get, I get front row everywhere I go. He's like, I just have God's favor in my life for parking. And so, you know, we would just kind of laugh. And one day he was praying for us. And this is probably three or four months after we'd been going to the church. And he was just praying blessing over us, Joy and I, as a couple. And he threw this in. He goes, God, I just even pray your favor for parking, for good parking over them. And I just kind of laughed. So I kid you not, you can ask Joy. For about five or six months, everywhere we went, it was uncanny. It was like there could be 100 cars in the parking lot jammed full, and we'd have one for us right in the front. Everywhere we went, all the time. It was like God's getting our attention, saying, like, I, I really am favoring you, even in a small thing. And I, I remember some people saying, like, oh, God doesn't care about that. Mm, I beg to differ, <laughs> because I know what I experienced. Everywhere we went, all the time, didn't matter where it was, front row parking spot. And we, it was like a, a joke to us. We were just like, okay, we didn't, we didn't even think about trying to park in the back anymore. We're like, well, our, our parking spot's up front somewhere. We just got to get up there and find it. And so I remember times where we would pull up in the front of, of a place and it would be totally full and we'd be like, oh, maybe the streak's over. <laughs> and just as I would say that, someone pulls out, best spot in the whole place, and we just pull right in. I'm, I'm, I promise, five months, six months, until and that lasted. And we were just like, God was getting our attention. God was getting our attention. That we are favored, even with parking spots. So you are royalty, and your Father destined you to reign in life through Jesus Christ. That's your destiny. That's the mind change we want to have. It's like, I'm not destined to suffer. I'm destined to reign. I'm destined to reign. All of us have issues. If we're all to be honest, I'm not going to ask everybody to raise their hand, but if we're all to be honest, every one of us can say, yeah, I'm dealing with something or somebody or something's going on. We all have issues, but you are meant to reign over the issues of life. Those issues are not meant to come and crush you. You are meant to reign over them. Amen? Is anybody here this morning? Amen. Are you with me? So if we reverse engineer this verse, could you put that verse back up? Romans 5.17. So if we were to just reverse engineer this verse, the end, end of that verse is that we reign in life through Jesus Christ. But reigning in life is the result of two things. The abundance of grace, 
receiving the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. So according to Romans 5.17, you can all answer this one, look closely. What do we have to do to receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness? It's right in the middle. What do we have to do? Just shout it out. Receive. Receive. So if we take this verse and we just reverse engineer it, the end of it is we're going to reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. And we do it by receiving the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. I wish I had the video. Somewhere I have video of it. But my kids, I think it was not this Christmas, but the last Christmas, we had had Christmas and we got their presents and we have it on video. But when they were opening up their presents, it was like the most joyous celebration. They were just like jumping, dancing, like, yes, 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 high-fiving each other, yes, yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. And so Ethan and Rand are both just celebrating. They're just like, I can't believe it, oh, yes, yes. What did my kids do to deserve those presents? Nothing. They're my kids. They're my kids. You're his kid. You're his kid. The requirement to receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness is to receive. Yes, I am a son. I receive the abundance of grace. I receive the gift of righteousness. Amen? Receive. You're his kid. So are we receiving the abundance of grace? The abundance of grace. I love it. He didn't just say grace. It's like, no, that doesn't, that doesn't do it. It's an abundance. Abundance of grace and a gift of righteousness. So I want to talk about these two things. So let's talk about the abundance of grace. It's an abundance. And if it's an abundance, there's probably more ways to access and more ways to utilize God's grace than we've ever comprehended before. Like, we're, like I, I just had that sense this week. I'm like, oh, we're just scratching the surface of what God's grace is to us and what it means to us. We haven't, we're not preaching, it's not that we're preaching too much grace, it's that we're not preaching enough grace. We haven't even begun to understand God's grace. It's so big, it's an abundance, it's more than enough. God's grace is unmerited favor, unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. Why did we have parking spot favor? Well, we didn't do anything to deserve it. I don't even know how that stuff works, but somebody prayed it over us, and we had unmerited favor everywhere we went. Why did we have more favor than the rest of the hundred cars parked in the back? I I don't know. It's unearned. Undeserved, nothing that we did to earn it. So, is grace God's way of excusing sin in our life? No, thank you. I don't know who that was, but thank you. God hates sin, right? He hates sin. Why does God hate sin? He hates sin because it hurts his people. Sin hurts, sin will destroy lives, sin will hurt others. So, of course, God's not giving us grace to excuse sin. Amen? 
Listen to this carefully. God's grace doesn't empower sin. God's grace empowers freedom. Freedom from sin. God's grace is not an excuse to sin more. It's, an ex- it's, or it's something that actually empowers us to leave sin behind. Amen? So I think an attack of the enemy is to be like, to come in with like, oh, you're just all about grace and blah, blah, blah. You got you to gotta come on. You got to somewhat fear the Lord here. Like I've heard, pre- you got to you know, have some fear of the Lord up in here. Like be afraid of God is what they're saying. Like you're too much grace. It's an attack of the enemy because grace actually sets us free from sin. The enemy is bringing in this lie of like, oh, you're just trying to use grace to excuse sin. No. God's grace will set you free from sin. God's grace will set you free from sin. Law empowers sin. Law empowers sin. Grace empowers freedom from sin. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 that the strength of sin is the law. This is Paul. He was a master of the Torah. He said, the strength of sin is the law. He also said, the law made me rebellious. He knew the law better than anybody. He said, I passed everybody. All my, all my peers, I went past them. And he said, that law made me rebellious. And that law is the strength of sin. Law empowers sin. Grace empowers freedom from sin. So God's grace is unmerited. Is God's unmerited favor that empowers us to reign in life. He says, this is how you're going to reign in life. Abundance of grace, gift of righteousness. Those who receive those will reign in life. So we need to receive more grace. Amen? We need to receive more grace. Those who receive grace, those who receive the gift of righteousness will reign. And that's what your destiny is to reign. To reign in life. So how do we utilize grace more in our life? How do we utilize grace more in our life to become free and to experience the reigning in life that Paul is talking about? It's not that we're preaching too much grace, it's that we don't understand it enough yet. So how do we understand it more? How do we receive more grace? I was asking that question this week. God, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of your grace. How do I receive more grace for my life? So this is what I feel like the Lord spoke to me. Number one, receive grace according to the measure of Christ. Receive grace according to the measure of Christ. Not according to your measure. Not according to what you've done right and what you've done wrong. Receive it according to the measure of Christ. His sacrifice, His blood, the preciousness of God's only Son, and what He did for us, that's the measure that your grace is based upon. Amen? Spend time meditating on what Jesus Christ did for you. That's where the grace comes from, from what He did. We tend to go into self-examination mode. And then, it, and then we can go into shame and condemnation. When actually, I believe we're supposed to go into examining Christ, meditating on Christ, what he did. Oh, man, God, you sent your only son. And what he did was more than enough for all the grace that I'll ever need. Meditate on what Jesus did. Receive grace according to his measure. 
the measure of Christ. Self-examination doesn't help. John boasted, the disciple John, he boasted about Jesus' love for him. He didn't boast about his love for Jesus. He didn't say, I'm the disciple that loves Jesus. He said, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. Over and over and over. Remember Peter? He stands up the night before Jesus is going to be crucified, and he says, Jesus, I love you so much. I'll die for you. I will never leave your side. I would even die for you right by your side, Jesus, because I love you. He boasted of his love. And I believe he meant that. I believe he really meant that. Like, Jesus, I love you. And I wouldn't leave you. I'll never leave you. I'll die for you. But what happens just a few hours later? I don't know him. I don't know him. Do you know who the only disciple that was at Jesus' feet while he was crucified was? John. He was the only disciple there. And I believe it meant it was, it was uh, a result of him understanding Jesus' love for him. Not of him boasting of his love for Jesus. He understood how much Jesus loved him. So it's not self-examination of how good we are, what we've done right, that helps us, but it's examining Christ, how much he loves us, how much his sacrifice was worth. Amen? I love, there's a scripture, I didn't pull it out for today, but it's, I believe it's Hebrews. And it basically says, if the blood of bulls and goats would cover sins for one year, how much more the blood of Jesus washes sin for eternity? once and for all. Amen? Receive grace according to the measure of Christ. It's not according to your measure. It's not according to what you've done. It's according to Christ. Even just you can say that to yourself. You know, I believe in declarations. Declarations are just saying truths until you believe them. And this is a great declaration. I receive grace according to the measure of Christ. I receive grace according to the measure of Christ. Number two, receive grace for your past mistakes and issues. This is really powerful. This is something I've been growing in. When shame, when regret, when these things come up from past mistakes, past issues, past trauma, which we all have, invite God's grace into those moments. Invite God's grace. I've been practicing this for for months now. It's like that shame will come up, something I was embarrassed about, something I did wrong, something I messed up, and that memory will come back. And the enemy will bring those memories, and he will try to bring shame, condemnation, guilt. Who do you think you are? He'll try to bring the shame, because shame, what shame does is it causes us to run from God. Grace will, cause, will draw us to him, like, oh my gosh, what an amazing Savior that he did all this for me. And it's not based on my merit that draws us the father. Shame is like, oh man, God's mad at me. I'm just not good enough. I just have blown it too many times. And it pulls us away from the father. So he will bring these memories of past mistakes, past issues to bring, to try to get shame in there or to try to reinforce shame that's already there. And I begin to practice this where those, these memories come. I just say, okay, here's this memory that I'm something I'm ashamed of. And I stop and say, God, I'm receiving your grace for this moment. I receive your grace. God, what do you say about this moment? 
What do you speak to me over this moment? And he begins to come in and just father you and bring grace. Just like we would bring it to our children, those of us who have kids. They've done something wrong. Do we just shame them? Condemn them? Yeah, you did mess up and you suck. (laughs) It's okay for a pastor to say suck. I don't know. That just came out. Um, But do we shame them? Do we condemn them? No. We want to pull them out of that. Like, that's not who you are. Yeah, that's what you did, but that's not who you are. We want to reinforce identity. You are amazing. Like, one, one of the things that I started doing with my son, Ethan, is he would have these temper tantrums, and he would, he would have a lot of anger. And one night, I actually, um, he just had this, it was about a year ago, and he had a huge just rage fit. And my wife and I were always just like, where, where is this coming from? And so one of the things I did is that night, I went and laid in his bed with him. And he was literally just sobbing. He, he, gets, he would be in this thing where he'd get so angry, and then he would just sob for, like, hours. And so I just went and laid in his bed, and I just started rubbing his back. And I was like, you're such a good boy. So proud of you. You're such a good boy. And I just stayed with him all night, all night, just stayed with him. You're such a good boy. And he'd wake, I'd fall, fell asleep with him, and he'd wake up in the night, and I'd just hear him wake up, and i just, you're such a good boy. So proud of you. His rage fits stopped after that night. We just, we stopped. It wasn't my condemnation of like, what is wrong with you? Why do you do this? It was my reinforcement of who he is. Like, you are a good boy. You are good. That's who you are. That's who you are. And it's like something happened that night that clicked in his spirit. And he's like, oh, I don't have to rage. <laughs> I don't have to do that. I'm good. So when the, the shame and the regret and those things, those memories come up, man, that is an invitation to just go to the Lord. Like we tend to like, this is what I would do anyway. I can speak for myself is that memory would come up and I'd be like, I don't want to think about that. Distract myself or think about something else. But instead, when those memories come now, I'm like, oh, this is an invitation to invite God into this moment. I say, God, where were you in this moment? Even things, a lot of times, the enemy will bring things to you that, had, that were not your fault or just things that happened to you. And you're like, God, where were you in this moment? What do you say about this? And just let him come in and speak to you as a father, mother you and father you through that moment. The first time I did that, I was walking the dog and this memory came up and I just stopped. And I just said, God, I'm receiving your grace for this moment. And the Lord began to speak to me. And within 60 seconds, all the shame of that moment lifted. All the shame. And I was like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> and I started, now it's a practice. I'm like, man, when the enemy tries to bring shame, I, I just have a practice of like receiving God's grace, letting him speak to me over that moment. And the amazing miracle that happens is like now those memories I can have those memories without the shame, without the guilt, without the condemnation attached. They're just a memory. I'm like, and God came into and healed. Amen? So invite God's grace into your life for your past mistakes or issues, your past trauma. Invite God's grace into that moment. Let God into those moments to nurture your heart and bring healing. God wants to nurture your heart. He wants to come into those moments and nurture your heart. What do we do as good parents? We nurture our children's hearts. And a lot of us have had childhood wounds that never got nurtured. 
and we just carry them. We carry them through life. So when we invite God into those moments, we can invite him to even come into that 10-year-old moment or that 15-year-old moment and just nurture. And what happens when you have nurture? You get healed. You get healed. And that thing, you don't carry that thing with you anymore. So invite God's grace into those moments. It's so powerful. It's not that we haven't, we've rec- it's not that we've received too much grace. It's we haven't received enough yet. So number one is, Receive grace according to the measure of Christ, not according to the measure of you. Number two is receive grace for your past mistakes, your past issues. Number three is receive God's grace for current issues and struggles. I love this verse. It's Romans 6.14. It says, For sin shall not be master over you, for you're not under law but under grace. Sin shall not be master over you. Why? Because you're not under law. You're under grace. Shame and condemnation will drive you further into sin. So receiving God's grace is what helps us to come out of sin. Feeling like you're under law will drive you deeper into sin. Receiving God's grace is what sets you free. If you feel like there's an area of your life where your sin is master over you, you need to receive more grace. It's not that you've tried to take too much, it's that you haven't received enough yet. And again, grace is not the excuse for the sin, it's the empowerment to leave the sin behind. Amen? Sin shall not be master over you because you're not under law, you're under grace. God, I'm receiving your grace. I'm re- I receive your grace for this anger issue. I receive your grace for this marriage problem. I receive your grace for this personal struggle I'm in the middle of. And I refuse to fall into shame and condemnation, which will drive me further into the issue. But I want to receive grace. I love um, Joseph Prince, and he has so many testimonies, hundreds and hundreds of testimonies, where he would tell people in his church, he says, if you're struggling with pornography, when you're looking at pornography, confess, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. He says, if you're struggling with smoking as you're taking a puff, say this, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. If you str- whatever you struggle with, in the middle of your struggle, say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. He has hundreds of testimonies of people saying, I quit smoking because I would confess. I'd take a puff and I'd say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I was set free from pornography because I'd look at pornography and I'd say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And one day the desire lifted. It's not that we've taken too much grace that we haven't understood it, we haven't taken enough. Receive grace for your current issues. Shame causes you to run from God. Grace causes you to run to God. You don't have to partner with shame when you struggle. Shame is not your friend. Shame is not going to help you. Shame is not going to heal you. And so many of us, and I get it because I've been there, we partner with shame when we struggle. And we're like, shame's my best friend now. And this shame that I'm feeling, this is is what's going to keep me from sinning. I'm going to make shame my partner. I'm going to partner with shame. And if I feel enough shame, I'll feel so bad that I'll stop doing this. So shame is my answer. Shame is what's going to set me free from sin. 
That's what we're saying when we partner with shame. We actually believe that, and I understand because it's been there. Yeah, if I feel bad enough about this, I'll stop doing it. We partner with shame. And shame actually drives us further into our issue and puts us on this cycle where we just do the thing, and then we feel shame, and we're like, if I feel enough shame, I'll stop. And then we stop feeling the shame, and we do it again, and we're like, cycle. Shame causes you to run from God. Grace causes you to run from God, run to God. So in the midst of your deepest struggle, you can confidently declare, I am the righteousness of God and Christ. Why would you declare that? Because it's the truth, and the truth is what sets you in freedom. Shame can never set you free. The truth is what sets you in freedom. I am the righteousness of God and Christ. I am partnering with truth. Instead of partnering with shame, I'm going to partner with truth. I'm partnering with truth. This is the truth, even in the midst of my struggle. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. We need to break our agreements with shame, with condemnation. They're not your friend. Some of us literally need to say that when that shame comes. Like, shame, you are not my friend. You're a bad friend. (laughs) I'm not partnering with you anymore. You're a bad friend. I'm going to partner with truth. I'm going to partner with the truth. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That's the truth. You know, when when you're partnered with shame and condemnation, you'll always feel like you're not enough. You'll always feel like you haven't done enough. You'll always feel like, you know, you you can't pray for the sick. You can't reach out to someone because you're just like, well, I'm just, I just got too much going on here. I'm just, I need to clean it up first. Then I can minister. I love uh, my friend. I wonder if I'm jumping ahead of myself. Where'd it go? It left my notes. Okay, it's coming up. I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. It's, it's so good, though. So, yeah, what was I saying? Something about shame. Shame can't set you free. Condemnation can never set you free. Amen? But God's truth will set you free. So what are the two things that will set you into freedom and that will cause you to reign in life through Jesus Christ? The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Those who receive the abundance of grace, more than enough, more than you can handle, more than you need. Jesus' death on the cross was a huge overpayment. You can't exhaust it. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Jesus Christ. So let's talk about the gift of righteousness. So we have been made righteous, not because of our actions, our our works. It's because of his action and his one work on the cross. Amen? You've been made righteous, and it's by Jesus alone and faith in him and what he's done alone. Hebrews 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. I think we have it for the screens. This is Paul talking. He says, every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, meaning Jesus, having offered one Sacrifice for all sins, for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, 
waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. One offering. You see the picture? He's like, this is the old covenant. Priests, day after day, making sacrifices. And they're not even, they're not even taking away sins. They're just covering sins for a, a short amount of time. So they're just over and over and over and over. But he, Jesus, made one sacrifice to make you righteous for all time. <laughs> for all time. That's why you can confidently say, I am righteous if you've received Jesus as your Savior. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. To believe anything else is to diminish what Jesus did. Now, Jesus didn't pay enough for me to, for all time. I'm only righteous until I sin, and then I'm unrighteous. That's what some of us believe. So did Jesus pay it for all time, or did he pay it until we sin, and then we're unrighteous? We have to get saved all over again. I went to a church where we got saved every week. Every week, I'm like, I, I need to get saved again. I, just, I think I lost my righteousness. And now I have huge compassion for, for people that are in that mindset, because that's a tormenting, powerless mindset. Usually when you see that, you see powerless churches because everybody's too condemned to do anything for the Lord. Good trap of the enemy, isn't it? This is a way I can keep my, your, the church powerless, keeping them in shame and condemnation. Jesus made one sacrifice, one offering for all time. So God wants you to reign in life. But you will never reign until you realize you are righteous through Christ alone. If I had a huge fight with my wife, guess what? I'm still the righteousness of God in Christ. I can have a huge fight with my wife and go to Walmart and see someone with a knee brace and, and pray for them and see them healed, just like that. Why? Because I'm good? Because I'm so awesome? No, because no matter what I've done, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. That's the truth. Or I can go to Walmart and be like, oh, man, I can't pray for anybody. I'm just like, i got to get my marriage together here. This is crazy. <laughs> and I miss all these people that God wants me to minister to. Walmart's my ministry place. I like to pray for people at Walmart. So it's changing your mind. It's like, okay. I might have gone through something. I might be struggling. I might have had a fight with my wife, but I'm still the righteousness of God in Christ. I can still pray for the sick and see them healed. I can still have a word for someone. I can still minister. I can still bless someone. I can still encourage someone. I can still receive from God and hear God right now because it's not based on what I've done. And the more I receive grace, the more that he's pulling me out of that issue that I'm struggling with anyway. I love my friend. Okay, this is what I was waiting to say. I'm glad I didn't jump ahead of myself. Levi Hug, who's coming back. And uh, Rodney, where are you at? There he is. Yeah, Rodney came here because of Levi. And uh, he's been here twice, and he's coming again. Uh, we don't have a solid date. He's in China right now. And uh, he's just all over the place. I'm like, he's like, yeah, I'm going to Europe now. And he just like, he's got a video of him on Facebook where he's in the subway in China, and he's just witnessing to people. Just like he's got a translator and just like walking around, just telling people about Jesus in China. And uh, he, 
when he first came here, he ministered so much to me, and it wasn't by his message. His message was amazing, and it brought a lot of amazing things into our church, but it was by observing him, just by seeing how he lives his life. So he comes in on, I think, Saturday afternoon, and you know we've hosted people, in, not just in this church and other churches, where you bring them in on a Friday night, and, and they're like in solitude for the whole day on Saturday, just like praying all day, and like, don't talk to them, just leave them alone. And, you know, in the morning they get up and just real serious and, like, come and bring this really serious word. And I'm not downing any, anything, anybody or anything. But what amazed me about Levi is he comes in on Saturday afternoon and he's like, hey, I've never been to Arizona. Let's go do something fun. And we were like, hey, do you want to go to Sedona? And he's like, yeah, that sounds awesome. So we go up to Sedona. We hang out. We just, like, spent the night in Sedona. We came back late. And we're, I'm like, you sure you don't need to get back to, you know, to do it preparing? He's like, no, no, we're good. So we come back late. He goes to bed. He, I was like, we're, well, we're going to come to church, you know, early, and we got rehearsal and stuff. Do you want to come early with us? He's like, nah, I'll, I'll just sleep. And, I, and he's like, just come back and get me at 9.30. <laughs> Our service starts at 10. I'm like, okay. So we went and did rehearsal. I drive back, pick him up. And uh, he's like, just up, making breakfast, do-do-do, just like such peace, like da-da-da-da-da, making a little omelet for himself. And then he's like, hey, do you mind if I just worship before we go? And I was like, sure, we got a little piano. He just sits down at the piano and begins to worship, and like the anointing just falls on the place, just like, whoa, hello, anointing. It was like, wow. And he comes and, and preaches this amazing message, and people get healed, and it just like was just an amazing day. And he told me later, he's like, you know, I used to be that guy that would fast all day on Saturday. And I'd pray all day on Saturday. And he's like, and I realized one day I was making everything that I thought God would do about me, about my effort, what I could produce by how much I pray. I was making it about me instead of just receiving God's grace. He goes, Daniel, since I've just learned to just, I just live my life and receive God's grace moment to moment, since I've learned to do that, he's said so many more miracles, so many more things God does, and it's just effortless because I got out of the way of thinking, man, God, he's like, I used to think, I was that guy that thought, if I don't pray all day, if I don't fast all day, God's not going to show up. And he's like, God told me one day, he's like, it's not about you. It's about my grace. So he just comes in and it's just effortless. It's just like, but you need healing? I got healing for you. And just everywhere we go, I picked him up at the airport last time, and he's just like, I forget what he said. It was funny. Went to rent the car, and he says, um, he goes, hey, have you accepted Jesus to the lady at the counter? And uh, she's like, no. And he goes, well, I highly recommend it. And as we're walking away, <laughs> and he just walks away. It's like, he's just a Jesus explosion everywhere he goes. And it's just like fun for him and effortless because he got out of that religious mindset of like, man, if I don't try hard enough, God's not going to show up. 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let me read it again. He, meaning God, made him, meaning Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ not only took our sin, he became sin. He became sin. Why did he become sin? So that we could become righteous. 
He's like, I'm taking all the sin. I'm actually going to become sin so that you can become righteous. That's your new identity. Righteous. When you receive Jesus, your identity is righteousness of God in Christ. Righteous. Romans chapter 4, verse 3 and 5, 3 through 5. Romans chapter 4, 3 through 5. It says, For what does the scripture say? This is Paul speaking again. It says, What does the scripture say? And he quotes Genesis. It says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as favor, but as to what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. What did Abraham do to become righteous? Believed God. Believed God. Abraham believed God, and he was account, it was accounted to him as righteousness. The one, I love verse 5. The one who does not work, but believes, who justifies the godly. Does it say that? Is it still up? Justifies who? You know what qualifies you for grace? But you don't deserve it. You need it. Justifies the ungodly. And his faith is credited as righteousness. Abraham is known as the father of faith, not the father of good works. It's his faith that made him righteous. He's known as the father of faith. In fact, there was some works he had in his life that weren't righteous, that weren't good. But it was his faith that made him righteous. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. He's made Righteous by faith. So if we're made righteous by good works, then we're living under a covenant that's not as good, it's less than, it's inferior to the one that God had with Abraham. Does that make any sense? So Jesus comes to earth. He, he suffers a horrific death and he's crucified on a cross. And now we're under a worse covenant than Abraham had. Abraham was made righteous by faith, but now we're made righteous by works. If that's true, why did Jesus have to die? We're made righteous because of the blood of Jesus. What he's done on the cross, amen? We actually have a better covenant than Abraham. And he was made righteous by faith. God did not offer up his son to be mistreated, tortured, and crucified so that we would live under a lesser covenant than what Abraham had. Amen? Romans 5.17, those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. You are destined to reign in life. You're destined to reign in life. You're destined to overcome those issues that are coming against you, that financial issue, that marriage issue, 
that personal struggle you're destined to overcome. And the way you overcome is by receiving the abundance of grace, by receiving the free gift of righteousness that you could never deserve or earn. What qualifies you for it is that you don't deserve it. It's a free gift. You're destined to overcome. And you will reign in life over those things by receiving the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Man, I wish I could just convey to you how true this is. And I don't even understand it myself yet. But I've seen this transform my life. I've seen this transform my life. Before I started to understand righteousness and that I was already righteous, and before I understood grace, it was so hard to even read the Bible. It was hard to read the Bible. It was hard to pray. It's like, it was like I was like Levi. Like everything was a struggle. Everything was hard, like, why, why can't I hear your voice, God? And as I started to receive grace from my life, it's like, man, I saw God come in and heal. Heal those deep things that I just couldn't get over. And God started to come in and just heal those things. It was really a transition from orphan to son. When we believe that we're made righteous by works, when we believe that um, God doesn't have enough grace for us, we're in this orphan mentality. And it was really a transition from being an orphan that feels like he has to work for God to a son that's like, oh, I get to do my father's business. And it's so fun. It's amazing. It was like, man, Christianity is hard. This is a struggle to, wow, I get to be a Christian. I get to bring glory with me everywhere I go, not because of how good I am, because of who Jesus is. I get to receive the abundance of grace. And as I've just been receiving more and more grace from my life, I've just seen him one after another just heal things from my past and shames and discouragement, things that were holding me back. God just comes in with his grace and heals us. Would you stand this morning? I just want to pray over you this morning. You know, God's grace is easy. So I just want you to receive this morning. Let's just close our eyes. It's an overpayment. It's more than you could possibly ever need. And his grace is going to, is going to come into your life and empower you. It empowers you to leave behind sin. It empowers you to leave behind anxiety, striving, it empowers you to leave orphan mindset. And it brings you into reigning in life. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness will reign in life. That's God's plan for your life. He wants you to reign. He doesn't want you to get struggle and just barely get by. He wants you to reign. Reign like a king in your life over the issues, over the struggles. Reign in life more than enough. He wants you to have more than enough. Man, we can't give away if we don't have more than enough. If I just barely got enough for myself, I have nothing to give away. God wants us to have more than enough so we can give away. He wants that verse in Psalm 23 says, You pour out your mercy and your grace on me. My cup runneth over. 
it runneth over. He wants you to reign in life, to have more than enough. So just do this with your eyes closed this morning. Just hold out your hands in front of you. Just get ready to receive. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. And I just want to pray over you this morning. Father God, right now, I break every condemnation. I break every shame that's come against these people. I command it to come down right now in Jesus' name. Every lie of shame, come down. Every lie of condemnation, come down. Every lie of performance, of works, having to work to earn something, come down in Jesus' name. Right now, receive the gift of grace. Receive the free gift of righteousness. It's not based on what you've done. It's based on what Jesus has done. Receive according to the measure of Jesus Christ. Right now, God, Holy Spirit, sweep across this place, the spirit of righteousness, touching the hearts of your people this morning. Leaving behind shame, condemnation, works. Spirit of righteousness, come. Spirit of righteousness, come. Touch your people.